Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Inside the GMHL podcast. I'm your host, JR, and we have a very special episode coming for you this week. We do have a recap on the GMHL College Showcase. I was able to be down there over the Tuesday-Wednesday of this past week, so that was awesome experience for me. We also have updates on some releases that the league has been putting out regards to the All-Star game, uh, the player power rankings, and the team power rankings have both come out since the last podcast, so we have an awesome episode for you to enjoy, capped off with a pair of interviews, one with Ravens and Predators executive Andrew Furlat, who was one of the key people in putting on the GMHL College Showcase, and another with Daryl Lloyd, who's the head coach and general manager of the North York Renegades, and also a former professional hockey player. So before we get into the interviews, let's do a recap of all of the releases that the league has been putting out over the last couple of weeks. As always, whenever we start a podcast, I do just like to do a rundown of the standings and where we're sitting right now. So through 25 games, so just before the Christmas break right now in the North Division, we have the Rattlers with 46 points in 25 games in first, Marie with 41 points in second, and then third and fourth are Tamiskaming and Meaford with 33 points and 27 points respectively. Meaford does have four games in hand on the Titans though. The Lynx with 22 points and Muskoka with 21 points right there. And then Bancroft, who was able to pick up another win at the showcase. Uh, they are at the bottom of the North Division. Over in the South, we have North York in first place with 23 or with 46 points, 23 wins on the season. Bradford right behind them, 41 points with two games in hand. Also with two games in hand on North York is Durham. And so they have 40 points. Uh, Tottenham and St. George are 29 and 25 points respectively, separated by one point are Northumberland and Niagara. They are in 7th and 8th place. And then we also have Windsor and Streetsville with 6 and 4 points respectively. And over in the West, we haven't had any play in the last couple of weeks from, um, I believe, McKenzie or Tumblr Ridge, but we did have a game a week ago from Katie Matt and Burns Lake. But the standings in the West Division, High Prairie is in first place. They did take another loss to Northern Alberta. So they have 46 points in 25 games. Northern Alberta is a distant second with 37 points, and Edson right behind them at 35. Then it drops off a little bit, but McKenzie is still undefeated, so 20 points in their 10 games. Slave Lake, Fox Creek, and Kitty Matt with 19, 14, and 12 points, and then Burns Lake, Gibbons, and Tumblr Ridge. Uh, they're going to round out the standings out west. And now let's take a look at the statistical leaders as we are finished up with the showcase. So for scoring leaders in the goal call category, top five would be Caden Cardinal with 38 and 12 games uh, for High Prairie and Slave Lake. And then we have Dennis Golovachev for 34 goals between Tottenham and Muskoka. Ryan Fritz with 33 goals. Levitsky from the Rattlers with 32. And Jordan Riviere from the Pirates with 31 goals. Over in the assist column, uh, it's the aforementioned Fritz, who's leading the league with 46. He's five ahead of the next closest. Uh, Michael Beaverbones has 41. Golovachev also has 41. Uh, Louis Allen has 40. And Keegan Ferguson from High Prairie has 40. And when you're looking at the points uh, leaders, it is a lot of the same names that we just mentioned. So Fritz is leading the league with 79 points. Golovachev has 75. Keegan Ferguson has 68. Ethan Many Bears has 68, both from High Prairie there. And then Terrell Schott also has 68 points in 25 games. And then just taking a quick look over at the game-winning goals so far this season, we have Ethan Many Bears and Jacob Rodine leading the league with six. And then Caden Cardinal, Keegan Ferguson, and Ryan Fritz all with five game-winning goals on the season so far. In the goalie categories for the winners, right now we have Oliver Balazs, who sits alone along, uh, among the wins leaders with 12. 
Bradley Ronson and Nicholas Lewicki from High Prairie and North York are, at, are both at 11. And then Christopher Thompson, also from North York, and Emile Beausoleil from Ville-Marie are both at 10 wins apiece. For goals against, and remember, for goals against and save percentage, you have to have a minimum of eight games in order to qualify. Blake Torella, John Marco Pyre, and Zach Smirnew, who all qualify with their eight games, are all from Durham, are the top three in goals against average leaders with 2.19, 2.33, and 2.38. Then we have Maxime Audette from Ville-Marie with a 2.45, and Oliver Bellage with a 2.62, and that's the goals against average leaders. And then those same three Durham Roadrunners goaltenders are also the top three for save percentage. So uh, Payer, Smirnu, and Tarala have a 9-3-2, a 9-3-0, and a 9-2-1. Balaj is tied with Tarala with a 9-2-1. And then Lucas no N Navi from Northumberland with a 9-2-0. For total saves on the season, we have Yaroslav Chibanu from Muskoka with 671 saves, Tate Prochak from the Flyers with 645, Elwa Bouchard from the Titans with 547, Justin Sheets from Windsor with 521, and then Cody Lockwood also from the Flyers with 492 saves on the season. The GMHL also took the time to release its November Players of the Month, and so this is a distinction awarded to the player who is judged to be best at his position, whether it's forward, defense, or goaltender, and the rookie, who is a 2005-born or younger player, and it's their first season of junior hockey through each month of the season. Uh, all the stats in the article were as of December 1st, 2022, but the forward of the month was Renegades forward Ryan Fritz, an assistant captain. Uh, as I just mentioned, he is leading the league in scoring. He had a November in which he scored 22 points for 8 goals and 14 assists. He helped his team go 8-0, and uh, stay in first place, and he scored the game-winning goal against the second-place Bradford Bulls. Defenseman of the month was Declan Flanagan from the Knights of Meaford. And so the Knights at that time were five games over 500. Flanagan had 24 points on the season, and he had 11 points in November. He had four goals seven uh, for seven points while helping his team uh, score victories over both of the Quebec teams, the Pirates and the Titans, that were just ahead of the Knights in the standings. The goaltender of the month was Oliver Bellage, and so he appeared in seven games in November. He went 7-0-0 with a goals against average of 1.5, a save percentage of 9.48, and uh, he did have a shutout as well, and it came against who was at the time the first-place Ville-Marie Pirates, who the Rattlers have now jumped. And then the rookie of the month was Aiden O'Rourke from the undefeated McKenzie Mountaineers, and so in November, he had 24 points, 12 goals, 12 assists, two hat tricks. He helped his team to a 6-0 record, and, uh, and yeah, that's his first season of junior hockey for the 2005-born Aiden O'Rourke. And so those were the GMHL Players of the Month for November, and just wanted to wish congratulations to all of them. Now, shortly after that, the GMHL took the time to announce two events, obviously the GMHL College Showcase that I was just attending, but also the GMHL All-Star Game. And so the All-Star Game is going to be taking place on Tuesday, January 17th. It's going to be in Bancroft at the North Hastings Community Center. And so we're really excited for that. The rosters are going to be released very shortly. I'm hoping on the next podcast I can do kind of a year-end review at the end of the month and then also take a look at the All-Star players because uh, I also have an interview with Nanda Eastman banked for that uh, for that episode of the podcast as well. But yeah, so we're really excited to be going to the All-Star Game for Bancroft. I've been to many of the All-Star Games, pretty much every one since 2014. I've had the pleasure of, you know, stepping in when the coaches from my teams that were selected to coach the All-Star Game couldn't make it. I've had the pleasure of being on the bench during the All-Star festivities, and it is an amazing time, a great honor for the players, and we couldn't be more excited for all of the players in the league and the Bancroft Raw Counts franchise.
The GMHL also released the player power rankings for the season, and so obviously the top five goalies and the top 20 players from each division. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and say right now that the people who decide who's on the player power rankings were all in attendance at the showcase this past week, and so I would expect some considerable changes moving forward, but this is where it was uh, as of the last one. I'm just going to, you know, update any major changes at the top and then also some uh, debuts on the rankings as well, so... In the North Division, Yaroslav Shibanu, who was previously number two, is now the number one goalie. And Oliver Balazs made the jump for the Rattlers from five to two. Uh, Jordan Riviere is still number one in the North Division, but we did have some changes in the division. So we had Denis Golovachev, who was number seven in the South, come over to the North Division, where he's now ranked number three. Uh, Stepan Levitsky from the Rattlers, who was previously 12, make his jump for, to number four. Michael Stegman from the Titans, who just joined the team, so he wasn't ranked before. He makes his debut at number seven. Jacob Rodin from the Rattlers, who was previously number 20, is now number 10. Uh, Jordan Briere from the Pirates was 16, is now 11. Thomas Kupek was not ranked before. He makes his debut at number 12 for the uh, Knights of Meaford. Uh, Ricards Burnex, another Titans uh, debut player, makes his debut at number 16. Charles Beaupre from Bancroft is now on the list. He was not ranked before and comes in at 17. Tom's Brakes from Muskoka was not ranked. He comes in at number 18. And Sven Musi from the Rattlers was also previously not ranked, and he comes in at number 20 in the North Division. In the South Division, there was no change in the top three goalies for the South Division, but we did have Durham and North York both add a second goalie in the top five. So Christopher Thompson makes his debut at number four, and Blake Torala makes his debut at number five. We had no change in the top three players for the North, for the South Division either, but we did have a swap between uh, Joseph Leonti from the Renegades and Hayden Webster from Durham Roadrunners, who swept from four to five. Uh, we did have a big jump. Kyle Smith from the Roadrunners was previously number 15. He jumps all the way to number seven. Uh, we did have some debuts on the ranks as well. So LaBelle from the Renegades was previously unranked, and he made his debut at number 18. So a lot of great talent in the South Division. But like I said, there are sure to be changes coming out of the showcase after having a chance to watch everybody up close and in person. And in the West Division, the goaltenders, we still have Bradley Ronson at number one. But Jack Gardner from the McKenzie Mountaineers, who was not ranked prior, is now the number two ranked goalie in the division. And then in the player section, we do have a new number one in the West. And so Caden Cardinal was number six in the West division. He is now the number one player in the division. Right behind him is the former number one, Keegan Ferguson. Uh, we also had Caden Desjardins from the Red Wings make a jump from 14 to number seven. Michael Beaverbones from 13 to eight. Tyson Mitchell from 15 to number nine. Uh, and then we had some unranked players making their debuts as well. So Patrick Bork from the Slave Lake Ice Dogs at 15. Dominic Beaver from the Ice Kings at 17. And Trenton Okomo from the Tumbler Ridge Steel Kings at number 20. And we do have a little bit of a breaking news trade here on the Inside the GMHL podcast. So as of two days ago, I was just uh, doing a little bit of research. Um, but for those who might not be following the GMHL West, you all you have to do is look at the top of the point standings and the goal-scoring leaders specifically to see Caden Cardinal's name. So formerly of the Slave Lake Ice Dogs, he has now been traded to the High Prairie Red Wings. So High Prairie obviously looking to make that push towards the national championship this year. Uh, has now acquired the leading goal scorer in the league. 
and they are definitely looking very strong so he's a 2004 forward from Lac La Biche Alberta Cardinal is sure to be adding into that Red Wings offense to make them even more deadly as they move forward into the break and then eventually into the playoffs towards the national championship. But now is the time. So this is what this podcast was all about. It's all about the GMHL College Showcase. And so we got going on Tuesday, December 13th. The game started at 10, ended around 5. And I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of a recap. So the first game, North Division Bradford Rattlers played the second place South Division Durham Roadrunners. It was a hot contest. The Rattlers ended up winning 5-4, to four, but they did have multi-goal leads that they weren't able to secure throughout the end of the game. Stars of the game were all from the Rattlers. So Jesper Erickson with three points, Oliver Balazs, 37 saves, and Jacob Rodin, who had three assists. Mikhail simon Serrell from Durham uh, had a goal and two assists. Hayden Webster had one and one. Kyle Smith had one and one. And Georgi Trofimov, who was playing in his second game of the season for the Rattlers, had two goals. Second game saw the Meaford Knights battle Tottenham. Meaford came away with a convincing 8-1 win. Declan Flanagan with two points. Kale Puzzi uh, with 29 saves. And Thomas Kupek got the third star with four assists. And then the third game of the, uh, the day was South Division. The Predators versus the Shield. The Shield ended up winning 3-0, and so Yaroslav Shibanu had a shutout. Dennis Golovachev had three points with a goal, and then Braden Mitchell also had two points. Fourth game of the day was the Bradford Bulls, and so the Bulls ended up coming all the way with a 6-8-6 win. I was watching that game, and so at one point the Titans were up, I believe it was 4-1, to one, and then the Bulls ended up scoring either four or five unanswered goals to go up. I believe it was 6-5 after the second period uh, and then it was tied up I'm, I'm pretty sure before the Bulls were able to secure that 8-6 win and so uh, Emil Lavallee had three goals and an assist Luke Camara had two goals and assists Elias Najim had a goal and two assists for the Bulls Jake Alton had two goals Ryan Hunter had a pair of an assist a pair of assists Hayden Lambert had two assists uh, Fan Fan and Massimo Doyle from the Titans Fifth game, it was another one-sided score, 6-1. Joel Rainville was the first star, Liam Thor, and Braden Simon. Uh, game six was the Northumberland Stars and the All-Star Game host, the Bancroft Rockhounds. So the Stars took that win, 4-1. Three stars of the game went to Cademon Bellman, uh, Bo Stevenson, and Jaden Cumming. Seventh game of the day saw the North York Renegades battle the Vilmarie Pirates, the, the the Renegades were up 2-0, but they were unable to stop the Pirates, who scored eight consecutive goals to win the game 8-2. Jordan Breer had two goals and three assists. Xavier Gagnon with a goal and three assists. And Matisse Chartier uh, with two goals was the third star. Last game of the day was a South Division matchup between Streetsville and Windsor. Uh, Windsor ended up taking the victory 4-3. Samuel Senf with two goals was the first star. Ben Hardy and Tate Pratchek were the second and third stars. And so that was the GMHL showcase on day one leading into day two where we had that marquee first versus first matchup in order to end off the day. So on day one, I have the stats here. The North Division was able to flex their muscle a little bit and they went five and two with the losses. Uh, the Titans ended up losing to the Bulls in that 8-6 uh, game and then the Bancroft Rockhounds also lost to Northumberland. And so that was the 4-1 game. So five wins and two losses for the North Division against the South, uh, with the only South teams able to secure wins, the Bradford Bulls and the Northumberland Stars in the day. And in day number two for the GMHL College Showcase, we started off the day 
with the Temiskaming Titans handing the Tottenham Thunder a 7-2 loss before we got to one of the most exciting games of the entire college showcase. That was the Meaford Knights and the Bradford Bulls. This game would eventually go to a shootout favoring the Knights. The Bulls able to take one point, though. But the Knights showing that these aren't your grandma's Meaford Knights. These are a very strong team able to play with the tops of both of the divisions. Uh, then we had the South Division matchup where Northumberland uh, handed Windsor a 6-2 loss. Ville Marie was able to put a stamp on their showcase, finishing 2-0 with a 6-0 victory over the Durham Roadrunners. Ville Marie, of course, had to play the top two seeds in the South as a top two North Division team. And they ended up beating both the Renegades and the Roadrunners. Uh, West Nipissing Lynx ended up with a victory over the Niagara Predators. The Bancroft Rockhounds uh, finished off the week or with the showcase with a win over the Streetsville Flyers. The Rattlers and the Renegades, that was the marquee matchup of the showcase. So first place versus first place. And it was the Rattlers who were able to come away with the victory 7-3. Uh, the last game of the showcase was the South Muskoka Shield and the St. George Ravens. South Muskoka put up nine goals. Top performances of the day. Uh, you know, Felix Tugas of the Rockhounds was the biggest scorer of the day. He had four goals, three assists for seven points in that nine-goal output for Muskoka. A pair of five-point games with hat-tricks for Jesper Erickson of the Rattlers and Dennis Golubachev of the Shield. We also had, you know, Dylan Henry of the Pirates with three points, a goal and two assists. Pavel Smirnov of the Stars with a goal and two assists. Um, Ricards Brinex from the Titans with a goal and three assists for four points. Overall, in North versus South play on day two, the North Division went a perfect 7-0, finishing the showcase with 12 wins, two losses to the South Division. The only teams that were able to take uh, victories over the South Division uh, were, or even take points, were the Stars when they beat Bancroft, the Bulls when they beat Titans, both on day one, and then the Bulls were able to take one more point from the Meaford Knights on day two. And so the North Division showing that they are extremely strong, and it should be a battle to see who represents at the national championship with Temiskaming once we get to the end of March and April. Now, obviously, the showcase would not have been able to go on without the, the work of many people. I know, obviously, Ken was there, the commissioner of the league. Ken Gerard was there. He was putting in the work for at least a day beforehand. And then we had Andrew Furlat from the Ravens, who we're going to be sitting down with very, very shortly. He's been putting in the, in the work over the last month in order to get the volunteers coordinated, the volunteers themselves. And then I know we also had some crews come all the way from Bradford. We had Travis Defoe and his wife, Jessica, and they were joined by their little helper, Aria, who were kind of helping to make sure that everything was going according to plan with the streams and with, uh, you know, the music and with the video cameras and everything like that. They were kind of making sure everything was happening. And so I just wanted to make sure that we gave a special shout out to all of the people who helped make sure that the, that the showcase was able to run as it should have. It was a great event and uh, in no small part to everybody that I just named. But without further ado, we are going to have our first interview of the episode. And so uh, please allow me to introduce uh, Andrew Furlat from the St. George Ravens and the Niagara Predators. I just wanted to apologize in advance. It was recorded at the showcase. We were in the open because we were doing the interviews um, you know, in person for people to be able to watch and you know see what the Inside the GMHL podcast is doing. And so the sound quality is not the greatest, but uh, I'm really looking forward to these, these two podcasts that we have, starting off with Andrew Furlat.
All right, and we are here at the GMHL College Showcase with the very own Andrew Furlad, who's been instrumental in putting the showcase on. How's it going today, Andrew? It's going good. The nerves are finally, you know, out of the way now that the games are underway. Well, I know you mentioned to me last night, you said something about possibly having to, you know, put out fires here or there, but you know what? I think keep the firefighters at home today because everything's been going really smoothly so far. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It's it, It's been great so far, especially since uh, the games are underway. Now uh, the fires are very minimal. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're trying to put on an event like this, where you know you're bringing all the teams from around the league here, you know you're having multiple games running at the same time on different ice pads. What's the process that goes into one setting something like that up, and two making sure that it runs smooth when it comes to the actual operational day? Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, phone calls, emails, uh, planning plan A through Z at this point. So um, just the key is a lot of. A lot of helpers and and a lot of backup plans. And you, I, I've, I've been noticing all around the rooms today at every single pad, you have a, a multitude of volunteers here to help you out. I'm sure that you were able to set that up, you know, over the course of the last couple of weeks, make sure that when we got time for the day to come, you'd be ready and set with who you needed, where you needed them to be. Yeah, it's better to have uh, more people than you need. So uh, the amount of volunteers that we were able to uh, accumulate has been very, very good, instrumental in making sure that this is a success. Now, obviously, in putting on the GMHL showcase, you've had some, you know, inside insight into exactly how operationally it's going to be run throughout an event like this. But take me back to the beginning of your time in the GMHL and exactly what that looked like for, you know, for Andrew Furlat. Well, I, I started as a player in 2016. I played for the Niagara Whalers, where uh, we went on to, to win the championship. So uh, that was my first introduction to showcase tournaments. So being able to go back on me as a player um, during that first showcase was, again, it, it's something to go off of when you're now planning it all. So what goes into a good experience and what doesn't. And I remember that showcase. I was actually on the other side of one of the games that Niagara played because I was with the Civics at that point. And two players that really stood out from that time were obviously the Hor Twins. Yeah. I mean, what's it like having players like that to come in and you know lead the team? You know, provide that that steady presence in the room. Obviously, you guys were a very strong team. You'd go on to win the championship, but having those two key players come in and kind of help to lead the dressing room. Was that essentially what was happening in Niagara? Uh, yeah, having having players like that in the locker room is, is great, especially when you're a young player. Um, having someone that was at an NHL camp, you know, prior to the season starting, um, being able to go off of the knowledge that, that they come in in a daily aspect is it, it's great. It develops a lot of young hockey players, and if you're dedicated to pursuing a career, learning off of players that have been through uh, all sorts of aspects of the game, you know, different levels, whether it's major, junior, other junior leagues, being able to learn from anybody is, is, a, is your key to success. And pursuing hockey as a career isn't always, you know, moving on to professional or moving on to college and then professional or whatever that might be. And you're a prime example of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, when did you know that you for sure wanted to either move into like coaching management side and you said, wow, I think I have a future in that? Yeah, so it all started in my last year of junior. Um, I had opportunities to go play professionally over in Sweden. Um, but my last year of junior, I was the assistant GM of the, the Whalers at the same time. So. Mm -hmm. Um, learning as I was playing, 
it turned out to be uh, a calling for me. I turned it was really good learning the business, um, mentoring under a handful of people that are in the, the Hall of Fame here in Niagara. Led me to to a newer passion that I didn't necessarily know within the game of hockey. And that sounds like a really cool opportunity, you know, to have the people around you who've been successful at what you want to do and, you know, be able to pick their brain or, you know, I'm thinking about making this type of move. What would you do in this situation if you were, you know, running the team as the GM or even as one of the players? I mean, you were in that room that first Niagara year when you were also assistant GM. So you had a firsthand experience of is this move going to be, you know, positive for the team? Is bringing in this player going to lead to success? Is, you know, possibly readjusting lines and everything like that? I mean, you had first-hand experience not only in the front office, but also on the ice with the product that you helped develop that year. Yeah, being able to transition from being on the ice to front office management, um, you know, it, it's always difficult your first year uh, transitioning to being part of the boys in the locker room to being you know, an instrumental piece in making sure that the business is operating smoothly. So um, being being able to have those mentors and people to lean on when you're during that first year transition is, is key, key to your success for sure. And for the same thing for me, I don't know if you felt it, but you know, the first couple of years when you're moving into management, especially when you're with the team that you've been with, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a little bit hard to sever those ties between the, you know, they're your brothers, they're your friends, there's your teammates. Whereas at this point you're looking at them, you know, these are the players that are going to help bring a championship to what I want to do. And making that disassociation can take a little bit of time, at least for myself, for mm -hmm. sure. Did you kind of feel that same way? Uh, I took a different approach to it. Um, obviously, you know, maintaining that aspect of professionalism was was key to providing a good uh, environment for your players. But making sure that yeah, maintaining that aspect of professionalism is key. But like you mentioned, um, having that brotherhood and that camaraderie as upper level management gives a sense of ease to players, you know, making sure that they know that they can come to you for any any problems or concerns or uh, any kind of issues where, you know, I know as a player, um, it, it's very intimidating to bring up, you know, concerns or issues because then there's that possibility like maybe maybe it's just me bringing up this cause for concern and um, maybe I'm, I'm going to get the short end of the stick, maybe I'm going to get benched, but making sure that I have that camaraderie where they can come with a sense of anonymity um, with any any cause for concern or issues will provide a healthy environment and that in turn uh, provides on-ice performance and a sense of security for players, especially, um, you know, I I'm a big advocate for mental health, so if people feel comfortable coming to me with any concerns, whether it's playing or off-ice, you know, it, it in turn provides um, you know, performance, which is good for business. So, you know, it works hand in hand. It's very turnkey is what I like to say. And so essentially a full open door policy when, you know, somebody wants to come to you to talk to, you know, maybe not about hockey things, you know, maybe about personal things in their lives. They know that, you know, okay, I'm going to Andrew. He's going to be somebody that's going to listen and I'm actually going to be able to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, you know, um, you're only as good as your neighbor when, it, when you're in this business. So if you make sure that you're open to communicating, you know, whether it's that, you know, things aren't going well at home or things aren't going well on the ice. They know that they have someone that they can talk to. And, you know, again, hockey, anything in life really, but relating to hockey, it's a very mental game. So making sure that you're taking care of your people and your business and in your life mentally is, is your key to success because then 
you know, they're going to feel safe in the environment to then return to your program if they have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then, again, it's good for business. 100% it is. And being somebody who's won a championship as a player before you started to transition into management, mm-hmm. you've seen you know, the different moves that it might take in order to build a championship contender. And is that kind of also what you try and bring on the business side of things when you're hoping to build a team every season? I mean, every team's a championship contender before the season starts, but obviously you having been on a championship team, you know exactly what that looks like. And, you know, maybe the moves that it might take in order to be competing at the end of the year. Yeah, and, you know, being a part of a championship team as a player a couple of times. And, uh, again, my first year as a GM, um, we had a team that was in the finals and again a championship caliber team which unfortunately was cut short due to COVID. You know, it's being able to identify key pieces that can provide a championship caliber team again starts with your front office management and how you run things. Yeah, I, I would say my experience as a player allowed me to develop a championship caliber team. And so moving on to, you know, a more recent part of it, mm-hmm. I mean with this season what exactly was the plan going into this season? I mean, I know that I can edit this out if this isn't correct, but you've been helping out with multiple teams this yeah. season, right? So you're Niagara and then also St. George, and you've got talent all over the all over the rosters on both of the teams. I mean, what's it been like, you know, kind of transitioning and taking on a multi-positional role within the league? Yeah, so my current role is the vice president of operations for both teams. Mm-hmm. And the approach that I took this year compared to last year, you saw... Um, both teams, you know, top of the division in the most part, you know, a couple, one 100-point player and a couple on the verge of 100 points, uh, but you saw a very mature team. I wanted to make sure we had a younger approach this year. Just based off of my research, I could be wrong as of now, but we have the two youngest teams in the league. We want to make sure we build for the future, but again, the talent is there. We have a, we have a handful of players that, you know, we could see in OHL camps this upcoming summer. Yeah, we want to make sure that we build a program for the future and, you know, come deadline time, you're going to see a very good but a very young team that could very well be in contention in the finals. And, and you definitely see that, or at least I've been seeing it, like as I've been following the South Division, obviously I'm in the North, but both Niagara and St. George are putting player development at the forefront of their of their programs and that seems to be you know right in line with what you're saying you know bringing in younger players allowing them the opportunity to grow as you know players both on and off the ice and compete for a championship in the coming years while also you know gauging the market and see what happens in that trade deadline and what's going to be available for you guys to make you know make that push to, you know to be a contending team at the end of the year yeah and you know what it, again it it all starts with your front office management and your ownership too like we have Robert Turnbull as our owner which is again he's been in hockey since before I was even born so you know it shows if you're in hockey for that long you're doing something right and uh, again he, he's the pinnacle of what what it is to be a good owner you know his main priority is making sure we're doing right by the kids and by recruiting you know younger players providing a private practice facility which we're one of two junior programs in all of North America that offer that you know, making sure that we invest in the future of our kids, it, it shows to the quality of person that Robert is and in the programs that, that we're a part of and we want to run. And that, that line that you said right there is so important, you know, doing right by the kids, you know, because as much as it is a business, you're dealing with, you know, 20 to 30 players every single year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want to do 
right by them. You know, you want to develop them as hockey players. You also want to develop them as people. You want them to know that they have people on their side that, you know, are going to put them in the best position to be successful moving forward. And it definitely seems like you guys are doing that moving forward. Yeah, yeah, and again, you said it right there, and, and you can ask any of my players this. During my phone calls, my meetings with them in the summer, our main priority is developing people. Mm -hmm. So people, developing people off the ice is our number one priority, and developing people on the ice is our number two priority. So again, you see you know, our kids walking in, they're smiling. We want to make sure we give them that environment where you know they're happy to be here and you know they're they're developing and they see it. So a prime example, you know, um, Jacob Shuker on on the Ravens, Simon Otaki, uh, Leo Savin, Nolan Wires. We, we have great players coming in who were a little weaker starting the year, but have flourished into you know they could be top talents by the end of the year if they continue their the way that they're working. Their trajectory has been great. Very well said. Well, I am going to cut it off there because I know you have games that you want to enjoy watching as well. You've been setting all this up, and now it's kind of your turn to reap the rewards of you know watching your teams go out there and play today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Andrew, and best of luck the rest of the day at the showcase. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And obviously a huge thank you to Andrew Furlat, not only for taking the time to sit down with us, for all the hard work that he put in in order to making the showcase actually become a reality. And so we hadn't had one for a couple of years, um, but thanks to his hard work, among many others, we were able to finally get going again, and it felt amazing to be there. And so among multiple interviews that we did, we also had the opportunity to sit down with Daryl Lloyd of the North York Renegades. And so I'm just going to sauce it over to that interview now. So please help me welcome Daryl Lloyd of the North York Renegades. Next up on the podcast, we have former 13-year professional hockey player and the reigning two-time GMHL South Division Coach of the Year, Daryl Lloyd. How's it going today, Daryl? It's going, man. Uh, just enjoying a good couple days of hockey and uh, see what kind of players we have coming up. And so we're down here at the GMHL Showcase in Niagara, and your team comes into the Showcase as the first-place team in the South Division, tied for the most points in the entire league. That has to make a coach proud coming into the Showcase in that situation. Yeah, you know, we've uh, put the hard work in, and, uh, you know, guys are buying into the program and uh, makes obviously the coach happy, uh, especially an owner as well. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we have the ability to go far this year. Now, before we get into the team portion of it with the Renegades, I did just want to touch play, touch base on your playing career. So following your minor hockey in Don Mills, you played a year of Tier 2 in what's now the OJHL with Pickering before you eventually started your major junior career where you played 226 games over three years in the OHL with Windsor. Is there one thing or certain things that stand out from your junior career as really essential memories as you developing as a hockey player? You know, seeing, seeing the players coming in out of uh, different programs was kind of cool seeing guys playing the NHL you know that was very interesting growing up and seeing what kind of hard work they had to do to get where they were got me the ability to play 13 years and you know it was it was fun I had fun playing hockey and that's that's what guys have to figure out and 
it, when you have fun and you stop having fun, that's when you know if you're going to retire or you're just going to go on and play the rest of your career. That's when it seems to go from you know more of a career and a passion to a job at that point, once you lose that fun. And so while you were the OHL, you played with many future NHL stars, players like Bratton, Ott, Gleason, but the one name that stood out when I was looking through was future all-star and number two overall pick Jason Spezza. What was it like playing with a player like that, and could you tell right away that he was going to be a special player as he moved into the NHL? Well, yeah, it's uh, obviously he had a lot of uh, spotlight on him, and uh, you know Spezza was the kind of player that uh, you know uh, played both age groups. He played his own age group. He also played up an age group when uh, he was going through the, the Marlies organization, and uh, you know just just taking a few things that uh, he was doing, as long as the other veterans uh, playing in the OHL. It was fantastic, man. It was a good experience to, to see a guy like that play as many games in the NHL and All-Star. And, uh, you know, you're pretty much speechless when you're playing against guys like that. Now, following your time in the O, you did go on to play professionally, like I said, for 13 years. You played in the CHL, the AHL, the EIHL, but statistically, you did have the most success in the ECHL. You played almost 400 games, scoring over 200 points, and amassing just over 850 penalty minutes over six seasons. I mean, it must have been a good feeling to have the validation of knowing that you were playing professional hockey and showing that you really belonged there night after night. Yeah, you know, the ECHL, uh, you know, it's a grind, obviously. Uh, bus trip showing up to the rink early, uh, doing the professional things every day. Uh, that's what we try to teach our guys, uh, you know, even in this junior league. Um, you know, first impressions are everything, uh, I think, especially in this tournament. You know, guys dressing good, uh, guys feeling good, guys doing the right things. And, uh, you know, the, the ECHL, it, it, you know, they have a lot of skilled guys that come out of that league. And obviously, two contract, uh, you know, double contract players, you know, the guys that sign NHL contracts and they don't have enough room for them in the AHL, um, you're going to have a lot more guys that want it more than the higher end leagues. And lastly, on your professional career, one of the other leagues I mentioned was the EIHL, where you played five years as a, you know, a cult star player for Belfast, winning two championships. I mean, what did it feel like to finally have those championships, almost as the culmination of everything you had worked towards in, in hockey? I mean, to finally be able to lift those cups. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, you know, winning a championship is everything. That's what you work towards, uh, especially as a team. Uh, individual also you know you put the work in your summers you know you have friends and uh, stuff that go on trips and uh, you're stuck in the gym and uh, doing the right things every day and uh, you know to win a championship those guys are my friends today uh, I tell guys you know once you win something like that they be, they're, they're your family and uh, you know it's a, it's a good experience to host those cups obviously it's a fun time uh, especially when you're playing overseas in Belfast Ireland and uh, you know, that's probably one, one of the biggest highlights of my career. Well, you know, when you talked about, you know, taking the time when other people are going on trips and stuff like that, to be putting in the work in the gym and, you know, putting in the work on the ice, and I assume the same would be said for, you know, your brothers, your teammates at the same time, and to see everybody really buying in and committing to winning a championship. I mean, that's the culture that you want to instill in North York, I'm sure, too. I mean, like, like you touched on, they're doing the right things, they're doing the proper things, they know that, you know, presentation is everything, but also putting in that work and commitment. Yeah, like, you know, you can tell the guys that put in the more work, right? Uh, you know, guys like uh, Fritz. Fritz is uh, almost at 80 points right now. He's at the gym every day. He's at every practice. He's he's dedicated to get to the next level. Our top three lines are guys that are committed every, every time on and off the ice, and uh, you can t uh, see how well successful they are. 
Now you joined the Renegades in 2017-18, first I believe as an assistant coach, but quickly you did take over the head coaching duties to much success. The teams you've worked with have gone 132, 48 and nine in that span. You have a winning percentage of almost 700. You've been named coach of the year twice. So clearly you're doing something right. I mean, how would you describe your coaching style and getting the most out of your players in order to make the team and yourself successful? Well, you know, my style is obviously you, you grow up and you have different style coaches and uh, you take all the positive things and obviously the negatives too you gotta you gotta come and instill with uh, the coaching careers that uh, you had against you right so I'm kind of like just a guy to get along with the guys you you have to be very personable with them uh, you have to know what uh, you know what gets them going what doesn't get them going it's a full-time job and I'm enjoyed it I'm enjoying it very very much especially as a head coach and GM and you know I think we're doing good like uh, my coaching staff helps me out um, you know we have a good group of guys and I think uh, you know as long as we're all together I think we'll we'll have a good uh, progress on the Renegades and that's something that you've done you know an excellent job of doing just having the opportunity to chat with your your great group of staff I mean they all really are on the same page I mean you guys joke around with each other you know you're taking the time I'm assuming you're hanging out outside of the rink as well you've you've done the proper work in order to make sure that the franchise has the pieces to be successful not just on the ice but in the coaching room as well and, and I respect that a lot so how did you originally find out about the GMHL and specifically the Renegades program well you know I uh, I retired from hockey uh, secretly kind of after an injury when I played for uh, Wheeling there uh, they were the farm team for Pittsburgh Penguins I was out for five and a half months with an injury and I decided you know what you know it's time to turn my life around and, and see what's out there I didn't know if I was going to get into coaching. Uh, Ryan Ramsey, which uh, is the head coach and uh, GM of the Halliburton Huskies now, he brought me in and uh, we actually had a pretty good uh, relationship before. Uh, we grew up together on the same street. Uh, he offered me an assistant coach job. I didn't know if I was going to get into coaching, but uh, I enjoyed it. Joey liked me as an owner and brought me in and see if we can turn this program around. And a half decade later now, what are your thoughts on the league and you know how it's evolved and you know um, where exactly the Renegades and yourself fit into to, to what the league's been doing over the last five years? Well, you know, setting the standards, right? You have to set the, you know, bringing players in and doing all this stuff. It's like it's like a little game, and uh, you know, once you have the right guys and they know their jobs on the team, um, you know, the GMHL is a great league, man. Like that's why I'm still here. Um, I like the fact that we can have imports, um, you know, the overage rule has changed and, uh, you know, it gives a lot of options for guys that aren't playing Junior C and Junior B and, and in the OJ. Uh, they want to come here and play hockey, they don't want to come here and, and sit on the bench. So that's what we do, we try to give our young guys, you know, we have, we have had some guys like Santino Foti and uh, Christian Bassio, but we had those guys for about four or five years. Um, they obviously didn't pursue hockey after, but they actually, uh, you know, took a job instead. But, uh, you know, it's great to see these players grow as not just players, but as uh, humans as well. And, and that's what we teach them. Teach them to be gentlemen, hold the door, stuff like that. And that's one of the most important things when you're running a team is, you know, the skill on the ice, you can do that as a coach, but how are we, what are we doing in order to produce good people in a society? And, you know, like you said, you know, instilling those gentlemanly values into the players, I mean, that goes quite a long way. 
And so there hasn't been a South Division Russell Cup champion since the Niagara Whalers, which was the year before you came to the league. But your Renegades look as strong as ever this year. Do you find it a motivator to kind of bring a championship back to the South Division and, you know, establish, you know, hey, we're still here, even though it's been, you know, five, six years since we won a championship? Or is that something that you don't pay much mind to? Well, we, we try our best every year. And, uh, you know, that's what every team should do. You put the best team on the ice every night. And uh, you know we take every game, uh, game by game. We're not looking, we're not looking at the championship. We're just trying to put the best team out, um, trying to do our best uh, as coaching staff, uh, as trainers, as everybody. We try to be the best, and uh, hopefully all the guys follow. Now, should you end up winning that elusive championship, three of the players that would be seen as you know true catalysts for that would be Ryan Fritz, Joseph Leonti, and Jedi Somersault. I mean, what's it like having such elite, talented players to lead your team from the top down and set the tone every time they touch the ice? Well, it's uh, it's fun to watch, and uh, you know, having guys like that, if they're having fun, I'm having fun, uh, and it's it, you know, it's it's addicting because hopefully the young guys uh, that are here for their first years, like we have 06s, we have 05s, we have fours or threes their jobs are dedicated for the next season uh, we have our older guys to lead the team uh, they're doing a great job right now but you never know what happens in the future right so you always want those guys to be ready to step into that position now here at the showcase the one matchup that everyone is sure to have their eyes on is your matchup tomorrow with the Bradford Rattlers it's the battle of the two first place teams in the division how do you prepare for a team that you haven't played yet this season and how big of a test would you consider this considering it might be the only time you see this team until the national championship well it's uh, obviously it starts with videos starts with your coach and staff going out watching games when they're available you know when we, you know guys making notes and uh, you know we have goalie coaches that make notes on all that process and um, I think it just makes my job a lot easier to just watch game tape and uh, have those guys out in person to uh, you know pretty much you know make their money right uh, they they want to go out and help the team as much as possible uh, I have two ex-renegades players that are actually coaching with me actually three ex-renegades uh, players um, we respect our alumni guys. If they want to jump into a job and help this organization win, I think it's the best way possible. Ex-players, I feel, are the best coaches uh, because they, they've had such a successful career with this, uh, with this organization, and that's how we want to go about it. Um, it's going to be an interesting game. I just think, um, you know, we just got to think every game one by one. Uh, Villa Marie today, and uh, we'll obviously take Rattlers tomorrow, hopefully. We're just going to play our best the way we have been all year. And obviously you talk about taking, you know, one game by, at a time, but is there anything specific, you know, leading into the showcase facing the North Division teams that you've been trying to instill in your team, maybe a different approach or a different outlook that you've been encouraging them to have as you approach these two games against the North? I just say uh, play hockey, guys. Like, uh, you know, if we're playing the North, uh, it, you know, it doesn't matter to me. If the guys come out and play and they work their hardest, uh, win or lose, you know, we, we got to adjust things as it goes. Uh, best thing about having this now is that we actually know what we have to adjust, especially coming to trade deadline, especially coming to signing players. Uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's a chess game, right? You got you to gotta figure out your pieces. And um, these are the two teams that I'm actually very interested in playing because these are the ones that we can possibly face in the national championship. Well, no matter what happens, it's a matchup the league will be watching closely. I want to thank you very much for sitting down with me, Daryl, and I wish you all the best of luck later on this afternoon, tomorrow, and for the rest of the season. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for having me, buddy.
well. What an awesome opportunity it was to, to sit down with Daryl Lloyd from the Renegades. I mean, anytime you get to get the chance to sit down with somebody who, you know, has gone on to the next level of professional hockey and, you know, played those higher levels as I got to a couple of times throughout the showcase, it's a really, truly special opportunity. Thank you once again to Daryl Lloyd, reigning South Division two-time Coach of the Year from the Renegades. It definitely sounds like he's going to be doing whatever he can in order to put the Renegades in a position to hopefully host that national championship at the end of the year. But for now, that is all for the Inside the GMHL Episode 5. I just wanted to thank you so much for all tuning in. Uh, it does make a difference. You know, I can see how many people are listening and, you know, when and what times and on what platforms. And I just wanted to take this time to, to wish you guys all, you know, happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. The next time we'll be coming will probably be right before New Year's. And hopefully we'll have a chance to sit down and talk about the, the All-Star game and the All-Star game players after that, as well as a GMHL season and review so far. So thank you very much for listening and have a great one.